Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. that bridge one more time. I think we need to get that inside of us. He is for you, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. 
Can we in the silence just raise our hands? <laughs> We're favored. <laughs> You're favored. I think some of you need to sit, say that out loud and say, I am favored. Say it louder. I am favored. <laughs> Hallelujah. She caught up a sedated about she caught up a satire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we just give you worship in this place. We just give you worship right now. That's all we're giving you. We're not asking you for nothing. We're just worshiping you for who you are. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, it says two others also who were criminals. We're being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him. He saved others. Let, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God. 
his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked, coming up to him, offering him some sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It is now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now the centurion saw what had happened, and he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. Jacob, would you bless the word? Amen. Air high five somebody. And if our children have not been dismissed, they can be dismissed to Children's Church. We're amazingly diving into Easter again. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to show us four different stories. How many knows and are thankful for the fact that we did not get what we deserved? He gave. Jesus gave us. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some people who deserve something bad, but because of Christ and because of God's grace, He gave us something that we didn't deserve. And today we're going to look at a story of someone who actually deserved death. And this story is so amazing because the grace of Jesus, he didn't get what he deserved. And I think we need to understand that in ourselves. We don't get what we deserved. Jesus, instead, this man who deserved death because of Jesus, gave him life. And I love this story because for us to really walk through this I think this is a good foundational understanding that we have to understand. And I want to start with one thought. And we need to understand this for the goodness of who he is to really be good news to us. But understand, every one of us in this room, we are guilty of breaking God's law. Every one of us. Every single one of us, including you, including me, we're all guilty of breaking God's law. We're all guilty of breaking God's laws, every single one of us. For example, I shared with you a few weeks ago, I confessed, I stole. And if you're going to give me a title, what would you call me? Mix a thief. How many of you have ever stolen something? Be honest. Some of you are lying right now, and that means you're a thief and a liar. James says this, for whoever keeps the whole law, except how many? And yet he stumbles in one point, 
He has become guilty of all. We're all guilty of all. In other words, if I lusted one time, if I cheated one time, if I gossiped one time or lied one time or stole one time or whatever one time, if you did it one time, you are as guilty in the eyes of God who, as somebody who broke all of them. Romans chapter 6, matter of fact, tells us exactly what the punishment is and the payment for our breaking of God's law is. Does anybody know that answer? For the wages of sin is it's death. The wages of sin is death. Some, in other words, if we don't understand this because we've all sinned and fell short against God, we deserve death. That's what the scripture says. But the good news is, because of the grace of God this morning, He does not have to give us what we deserve. That in itself, I can, we should go home right now shouting. Because we do not get what we deserve. Luke chapter 23 is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because we're looking at two thieves or two criminals on the cross and we're Jesus actually on the cross between these two. It says, two others also who were criminals, other translations say thieves, they were bad people, were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Now let's just talk about crucifixions for a moment. To crucify somebody was one of the many ways that, that they would execute a person in the life of Jesus, in the time of Jesus. But lots of different ways that they would execute someone. Crucifixion happened to be the most expensive. The reason is because they, it took four Roman guards and it also they had to have a, a centurion to pull it off. The crucifixion was generally, you know, the, it lasted several days. If you were crucified, it was agony for several, several days. It wasn't just a one-day event that they hung you on a cross and, and you died. It lasted. And the reason that Romans would crucify someone is because not only was it expensive, but happy, it happened to be the most painful and it was the most pu publicly humiliating thing that you could do to them. Now, why in the world would Roman leaders choose to, to hurt someone and make a statement like that? But it tells us a lot about the people who Jesus was in between. It tells us a lot of what they thought about Jesus. We don't exactly know what these guys did or what they stole, but it was bad enough that happy they said, we're going to spend the extra money to bring extra pain and make you suffer a long, excruciating death. So I don't know what they did. And the reason it was so painful and the reason it was so humiliating, Adam, they would take these men and they would strip them down naked. They would hang them naked in front of everybody. Now, the sun would beat down on them all day long for days. So you can imagine what their skin begins to look like after days and days of excruciating heat. In fact, some scholars and some commentaries would tell you they would stay in the heat in the sun for so long that they would become mad. 
They would go insane. They would go mad. They would lose all their senses to breathe. To breathe, they would actually have to push themselves up a little bit to get a breath until finally they were so exhausted that they could not lift themselves up any longer happy and they would suffocate. Now think about that. The birds would literally come and start to pick pieces of their bodies. Can you imagine how horrible this is? We don't know what these criminals did, but it was bad enough that they said, we're going to spend the extra money and we're going to humiliate them. They wanted to humiliate Jesus. So think about this. Here we see in this horrible situation, and in verse 39 it says that one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuses. He was ridiculing Jesus. Now that's the pot calling the kettle black. We know he at least says, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the Savior? And you, save yourself, save us. The other criminal, he, he rebukes him. And he, he you know, we, we've got another bad guy on the other side. And he speaks up and he says, don't you even fear God? Do you not even fear God? He said, we're, but we're both. We've got the same sentence. Don't you fear God? Here you are going to die. And you're going to ridicule the Son of God on the cross beside of you? We're under the same punishment. He said, we're punished justly. Whatever we get, that's what we deserve. We brought this on ourselves. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Can I suggest to you this morning that every single one of us, spiritually speaking, is one of those two thieves? Every single one of us, if we just look at it from a spiritual perspective, we are actually, in the eyes of God, one of those two thieves. What I want to do is I want to look at these moments, and I want us, by the end of this service, to know whether we're one or two. Verse 39, he's hanging there, and he's hurling these insults, these ridicules at Jesus, and he says, Aren't you the Savior? Aren't you the Messiah? Save me. Save yourself. We know one thing about this guy. He's arrogant. He's full of pride. He's entitled. He doesn't fear God at all. And he's been a smart aleck. If there's anything about God that he wants, he is like, okay, if you're Savior, and you're this Jesus guy that the guy on the other side says you are, then save me. Quite honestly, there's a lot of people in the church that have that very same outlook. All right, all this religious stuff, if there's a heaven, if there's a hell, I'll pray that stupid little prayer you want me to pray. How's it go? I'll check the box on the card. I'll come to that little class you want to give. I'll even get baptized. I'll do all that stuff. But if you ask anything back from me, forget it. The entitled mindset was the first man. The guy, he's not even recognizing any guilt whatsoever, Randy. No guilt whatsoever. I've not done anything wrong. This is not right. This isn't fair. If you're saved, you're saved me. 
If you're going to ask me to summarize this guy in one word, unrepentant. He's not owning up to what he's done. He's not owning up to what he, you know, any wrong. He's critical. He doesn't fear God. He's unrepentant. Then there's another guy, equally guilty, and he has a completely different perspective. Is it not amazing how two people can sit in the same room or the same place, hear the same thing, and have two different, complete perspectives of what's going on? It's like husband and wife. We can be in the same room, and she's like, what? Why'd he do that for? Why'd they say that for? Why'd they act like that for? And I'm like, I didn't see that. I didn't get that at all out of that. Or vice versa. She'll, same way. I'll say, man, why was they so mean? Why was they so like, Well, I didn't get that out of that. But it's amazing how two people that are equally guilty have a different perspective. In verse 40, he says, do you not fear this guy? What was it that made him know this is the Son of God? There's something different about this guy. Don't you even fear God at all? He says, we deserve what we get for our crimes. But this man right here, he's done nothing wrong. He's innocent. In other words, we broke the law. We deserve this. This guy did nothing. This Jesus man, he hasn't done anything wrong. And if you can ask me to summarize the second guy, I'm going to tell you, yes, he's guilty. He'll tell you he's guilty. And he'll tell you that he deserves to be dead. But he's humble. He's humble. He's broken. He recognizes, I've done something wrong. Even though he's not perfect, he has some fear of God about him. And if you're going to ask me to summarize this guy, he's repentant. The first thief is unrepentant, and the second thief is repentant. He knows, I need mercy. He knows, I need help, I'm about to die. He knows he can't do anything for himself at this moment. So what does he do? He calls out to Jesus. <laughs> Why is that so important? We live in a world today that culture has significantly shifted. And what I mean by that was 20, 30 years ago, people had no problem saying, yes, I know I've done wrong. Yes, I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Now we live in a world that says, don't call me a sinner. We live in a world that says, I'm not a sinner. Don't judge me. I'm not a bad person. Don't tell me that I have sin in my life. This isn't sin. This is what I like to do. And the problem is, when we have that mindset, we are completely oblivious to the fact that that's not of God, and we are comparing ourselves to people. You see, you may be sitting here this morning next to somebody beside of you, and don't point at them, that's much worse than you are. And when we sit beside those people, it's easy to say I'm not a bad person, because look at who I'm sitting beside. Danny, you're by yourself, buddy. <laughs> the reality is, 
is don't tell me I'm a bad person. Don't tell me I have done something wrong. Let me tell you why this is so important. We have to recognize that we all have broken God's law. And we have to start because until we recognize that we have all sinned, then we don't recognize our need for a Savior. And that's the problem with society today. They don't recognize that they have sin in their life, so they don't recognize they need a Savior. The moment we recognize that I have fallen short of God's standards, that is the moment that we become a candidate for grace. But until we recognize that I have fallen short of God's standards, we'll never know that we need a Savior. If you are unrepentant, you are arrogant and full of pride. You're number one. So many people today are, unfortunately, they're just like thief number one. Thing one, thing two. We'll just go Dr. Seuss week. Mess up with the world because we're talking about Dr. Seuss. But when you recognize, I've messed up, I've done wrong, I really need forgiveness, then you become like thing number two. You are like thief number two. And I'll illustrate it this way. Until you see your sinfulness, you will not see your need for a Savior. Until you see your sinfulness, you will not see a need for a Savior. I tell you that, that, that you're arrogant and you're full of pride, and God looks at a person like that and says, I can't help them. I can't help them. They're so full of themselves. They're arrogant, full of pride, and I can't help them. And then you, suddenly you, you, you get to this place and you're like, oh boy, something's stirring inside of me. I don't know what it is, but I feel a thing called conviction, and I'm realizing that the stuff that I'm doing, it's, it goes against God's standard. And then I realize, man, I sinned. I'm an idiot. I've messed up. And then at that moment, suddenly something happens. God's grace begins to come on the scene, and you have just been, your mind's been blown because God has shown you your sinfulness, and then you've realized, I need a Savior. That's what happens. Jesus is hanging on the cross next to two guilty people. They're both equally guilty. They both deserve death, and yet both men saw and heard the very same thing in those last few hours of their life, and they both had the very same opportunity. They're both severely in need of a Savior, and one missed it, and one grabbed it. The very same thing is going on in the world today. There's two people seen side by side. Happy we come into church and we sing the same songs. We hear the same messages about the goodness of God. One person is going to be thief number one. This stupid religion. I'm not a bad person. I don't need all that stuff. I, I don't need this God. And right next to them is going to be a person that is singing the same songs, hearing the same message about the goodness of God, and their mind's going to be, man, I've messed up. I need help. I do need this grace. And that person, in a moment, becomes a candidate of grace, and Jesus gives us. The good news is, the second one, is a prime candidate to be transformed in a way that is impossible to describe in earthly terms. I, can, I mean, how do you describe I'm made new, I'm forgiven, I'm transformed, I'm changed, I mean, I'm healed. I mean, that's what we get. 
How do you explain that? The second thief is going to show you, man, I deserved death, but I, I deserved it. But Jesus gave me life. The reason I get so fired up about this is because his story is my story. That's our story. I was messed up, jacked up. I, I didn't know which way I was going. And God showed me my sin, and through his grace, I'm now saved. <laughs> the way Jesus forgives this man, it's powerful. Because it illustrates the beauty of God's grace, Larry. We can't grasp it. This man is on a, he is a vile criminal on a cross getting ready to die. And God demonstrates grace. Look at the power of verse 42 and 43. I mean, this second thief, I mean, he rebuked the first one. And then he looks at Jesus and look what he says. Because don't miss this. Because if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. And here's what he says. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did you get that? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. He didn't have to chant some ancient, Oh, Heavenly Father, I beseech thee now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, thou grant thy forgiveness. No, Jesus, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. No fancy, no begging. He just said, remember me. <laughs> and look at what Jesus says. The thing that changed the man's life for eternity. Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Boom. A couple of sentences and an eternity is changed forever. And we've made grace and salvation so hard. The purest illustration of God's grace. It's what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace... You have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that, you, so that no one may boast. God saved you by His grace. That's the best news ever. Because I've tried so hard to be good enough. And I'll never be good enough. I'm thankful that I'm saved by grace and not by me being good enough. <laughs> Just knowing, Michael, that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. <laughs> not by works. You're not made right by God because you did good enough. 
You're not made right with God because you go to church. You're not made right with God because you took membership today, Martha. You're not made right with God because you gave money in an offering plate or in a bucket this morning. You're not made right with God because you helped some little old lady across the street. You're not made right by being a nice person. You're not by made right because you've stopped saying dirty words. You're made right through grace, through faith. And we've taken those things and we've replaced it with grace because we think we're better than somebody because you did something for somebody. The thief on the cross, he couldn't do any good works, Happy. His hands were bound. He couldn't go to church. They're not letting him off the cross, Randy. He couldn't turn over a new leaf and, do, and, and have a new life. He's dying. He's dying. All he could do was trust in the fact that the man in the middle is Jesus Christ. And suddenly it brings grace to life. Woo. I'm so thankful that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I am so thankful because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love are for those who fear Him. I'm so thankful as far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. That should excite us. I don't know how you're sitting there being quiet. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I am so thankful, Chipper, that he does not treat me like I deserve to be treated this morning. I'm so thankful he didn't treat me as my sins deserve because I deserve death. (laughs) But because of Jesus, he gave me. He separated my sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be told again. And here's the news we can't miss. We don't have eternal life, Adam, because we're good. Kevin, we have eternal life because God is good. God is good. We only have it because He's good. Do you know this morning, Patty, there's nothing, nothing you can do right now to make him love you more? There's no sin, Chris, this morning that you've committed that can make him love you any less. In fact, while we were yet sinners, he loved me. Matter of fact, no greater love. Then a friend lay down his life. It's not because that's what he does. It's because it's who he is. God is love. And nothing can separate us from the love of God this morning. 
He is love, and because He is love, He sent Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled Himself and became nothing in the form of a servant. Even being obedient to the death on the cross. Can you imagine our Savior, God, God in the flesh, Jacob on a cross, when he should have been sitting on the throne, he's hanging on a cross. When he should have had a crown of gold, he had a crown of thorns. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by thieves. When he was innocent, he gave his life to those who were guilty. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God does not hold our sins against us. Jesus, taking the sin of the world, my sin, your sin. And then he looks up and he says, it's finished. It's finished. God, I have did what you sent me to do. And into your hands, I commit my spirit. I'm about to shout, you all. <laughs> and then he breathed his last breath. And the earth shook. <laughs> the skies go dark. And the centurion looks at him and he said, Surely this was the Son of God. When everybody else thought it was over, heaven knew this is the beginning. This is where it starts. The enemy thought it was over. Satan, he thought it was done. He thought he had done it. He didn't realize that three days later, three, these women are going to go to the tomb and all they're going to see is the stone rolled away. It's empty. Why? Because Christ wasn't there. He's risen, and death is defeated, and now, devil, my God, has the keys to death and hell. Selena, if you'll come to the piano. Church, we have to recognize, we don't have the potential for eternal life because we're good. There's... Nothing good about me. But he's good. And he gave us. We've all sinned and deserve death. We said it earlier, the wages of sin is death. But I love after. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful this morning that he does not treat me as my sins deserve. That he's not going to judge me according to my own actions. I'm thankful this morning, Larry, that he sees me through the eyes 
of grace. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, we all got new birth. And if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things are gone and behold, everything becomes new. Anyone, not who we choose, but anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. I'm glad that he has given me living hope. There is living hope inside of me. When the world is upside down and in chaos and shambles, there still inside of me is a living hope. Can we bow our heads? God, we love you. This morning, we come to realization that what you did for us, we couldn't even do for ourselves. This morning, the tomb is empty. Your son is risen. So we worship you. God, I pray that today, people will be different because of the grace and the power and the love of your son, Jesus Christ. There's many in this room right now. You've been saved. You've been followers of Jesus for a long time. And I just want to give you a chance this morning just to stand to your feet and share your devotion, share your love, and I want you just to worship Jesus right now. Jesus, this morning, I'm not who I was. I'm different because of you. God, I just want to take this moment and express my love and my worship to you. Tell him right now, church, how much you love him. Thank him, church, for who he is. Thank him this morning for unconditional love. Thank him this morning that he ascended into heaven and he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you right now. Thank Him right now that He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within the hearts of believers. Thank Him this morning that we have a comforter who is guiding us into all truth this morning. Take a moment, church, and worship Him. Tell Him how much you adore Him this morning. Tell Him this morning that He's worthy of your praise. Tell Him how much you love Him. Stop worshiping. Don't stop worshiping.
Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.